0: Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.
1: The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary People's Extraordinary Stories.
0: Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Colin. So, Colin, if you can tell me when and where you were born, And if you can describe to me what it was like where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received, it's all yours, Colin.
1: Okay. Well, you actually want me to reveal my age?
0: Well, if you was a lady, I probably wouldn't.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was born the son of a poor sharecropper. (laughs) I was born, uh, grew up on a farm in Iowa. I was born in Omaha, Nebraska in 1957. And um, actually was adopted as an infant. Oh, and so I, you know, never knew my birth family. I did find them later in life, though. So it's uh, gotten pretty close to some of my birth birth family on my mother's side.
0: Well, uh, uh, we'll, we'll come yeah. to that eventually. So let's uh, let's see what you can remember of your of okay, well, sort of, uh, uh, sort of yeah, growing well, up in Nebraska.
1: Iowa is where I grew up in. It's right oh, next right. Yeah, very very close to uh, the state line is not very far from the house that I grew up in. And Did the
0: farm saw go across the state line?
1: No. No. Did no, cross over the state line. <laughs> I drove over the state line a whole bunch but
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that just uh, trying to get away from the uh, the smokies?
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> <laughs> but, We're like Dukes uh, of Hazard. <laughs> and when I first went to school in in kindergarten at, up through the first few years of school, the school I went to was an old country school. It was three miles, three miles south of the farm that I grew up on, and it was um old, old, old schoolhouse, and there was only like maybe 10, 15 people in my class. And then about sixth grade, that was put into it, into the, a larger school district. So I started to have to ride the bus to go a lot further to school.
0: Big yellow but, bus was it?
1: Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I was uh, I was very un- different from everybody else in school because I was a cowboy. Oh. Yeah.
0: So pro- proper cowboy. So so your farm, then. let's have a look at the farm. Um, was it uh, arable? Was
1: it all um, cattle and, and horses? Uh, corn, and, corn and soybeans. So, so I where I had did to walk...
0: the cowboy get, cowboy bit come in then?
1: Well, I had three dreams as a child. Be a cowboy, be a pilot, be an actor. Huh. And I had um, in the town that I... The town that our address was, is Henderson, Iowa. It's just a really small town population. I don't know why I remember this number so dis- so distinctly when there's a lot of my childhood, I don't remember. But the population when I was there was 306. Good grief. So, yes, a very, very large metropolitan area.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and A hamlet.
1: But <laughs> a every <mashing> year, <laughs> every year in July... There was a gentleman, Art Fritcher. He uh, was rodeo stock contractor, provided stock for different rodeos around, around the area. And he'd put, he lived there in Henderson, and he would put on a rodeo every year in July. And was it was uh, put on by the volunteer fire department of Henderson, Iowa. So my father was involved, you know, help selling tickets, watching the gates. So he always took us out there with him. He was there every night, and I got to hang out and got to know Art Fritcher pretty good. And He was just this old cowboy guy who he rodeoed all. He's been around horses and livestock his whole life. He rodeoed for years and years and years. He took me with him to horse sales and had a really big influence on me at that time. And so he's the one that... He's the one who really got me interested in in rodeo. Uh
0: uh-huh.
1: So let's uh, let's
0: ex- we'll we'll come onto the rodeo. Let's 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 get your schooling out of the way um, first. So, what was the first school you can remember?
1: Um, Wells, Iowa. That's that little town of. Um, I said so there was like 10, 15 people in our school, and that was incorporated into a larger school, Red Oak, Iowa. Yeah, in sixth grade and I I don't know how many people were there and I went there throughout up to the tenth grade and I just didn't really like Red Oak it was just I don't know you know I was so different from everybody there yeah you know Red Oak isn't a huge town or anything but it's uh, was really different and just wasn't getting along due to my background people just you know, they mm-hmm. thought it was funny that I was, I was a cowboy, and they, I don't know, I just. So. And then in was, uh, was
0: it the boots and hat that put them off?
1: Oh, I don't know what it was. It just you know, where, people. Wearing chaps
0: to work. Or to you school? know how people
1: are mean <laughs> back. You know, and in, in when they're teenagers. Yeah, and kids then, can
0: be uh,
1: pretty horrible. Yeah, my parents bought a bar, actually, or a pub, and. <laughs> 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 uh in another town was in a different school district and they had uh, living quarters uh, attached to it as well so hmm. and we stayed there a lot so that I was able to move my school district into Carson Iowa Carson Macedonia I remember I always remember my first day of school and this is a smaller school my my graduating class was I think about 35 people. So it was a lot smaller than what Red Oak was. Went yeah. from a hundred and some people down to thirty-five people. And uh, my first day, I was walking in the school building. I'm trying to remember his name, but one of the seniors walked up to me. I didn't I, just out of the blue. I had no idea. He introduced himself to me and says, "You're the new kid." He says, "You going out for football?" I'm like, "Huh? What?" <laughs> He's inviting me to come out for football. And says, Yeah, sure. <laughs> and so I went out for football. I was just Were you scrawny the guy, then? <laughs> I was a scrawny kid. I was, you know, but I went out for football in my junior year of high school, our football team was the only team in the state of Iowa to go undefeated, untied, and unscored upon for a whole season. Wow, our defense did not let one, one, not one touchdown, Score. not one field goal, nothing past us. Wow, and um, I'll never forget the last game.
0: What? What was? What position were you playing then?
1: The bench. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Water boy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I I was a de- I was a defensive end, but. You know, as scrawny as I was, I was not built to be a defensive end. But yet, mm-hmm. that's what I was, <laughs> and I I got some playing time. Yeah. But uh, the last the last game of that season in my in my junior year of junior year of high school, the last game, end of the fourth quarter, tied zero zero, and the. Uh, Opposing team won the flip and they got to go first to to do the tie. So they had, four, you know, they were able to have four downs to try to get a, f- yeah. And we stopped them cold. And they got really close. It went down to them them trying to kick a field goal, and we blocked it. And then when we had the ball, we scored six points. The last game ended six nothing.
0: <laughs> hey.
1: <laughs> the so next year, the next year, our coach he'd tell us "Yeah, this, you know, we're playing this team." This is, yeah. And our coach, their coach, just called me says, "We know we can't beat you, but we just want to score against you." <laughs> 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 and and which time,
0: I guess, by which time you've lost all your seniors.
1: <laughs> oh we still had some really good guys we didn't lose that many seniors but we had some really uh, a lot of the ones that were the the defense that um that were really good that helped us in my junior year were were in my class but uh the first few the first like three games shutouts once again mm-hmm. nothing and um I was doing I was you know riding some bulls at that time as well at some mm-hmm. amateur events. And I always like to say that uh, this is how it happened that at a rodeo in somewhere in Nebraska after I got off bull stepped on me I had some cracked ribs. Ooh. So I wasn't able to play at our next game. And <laughs> so I was most certainly ship. benched. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but uh, the their team, I can't remember what the score was. We 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 were winning at that point, but their team got closer and closer and closer to the end zone. And everybody in their bleachers, you know, small town bleachers, got out of the bleachers and all went down. They were standing right there at the goal line, (laughs) just cheering their team to go in and to go in. And they finally, we had somebody made a touchdown against us. And I thought, yeah, it's all my fault because I'm sitting here on the sideline with broke ribs.
0: (laughs) Did did you apologize to the rest of the team after the game?
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't think they missed me. (laughs) It's like I say, I was this scrawny kid. I was like 135 pounds dripping wet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 140, maybe.
0: So. And the time you got all the kit on, a little bit heavier.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot heavier now. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, rodeo then. You were doing rodeo in school.
1: Yeah, I started riding bulls and uh, bareback Bronx and saddle Bronx. When I was fifteen years old. Uh, so I can I understand.
0: Uh, I can understand bareback, but bulls—oh, yeah—well, <laughs> absolutely crazy well, and
1: jump. On you know model. why I got into? You know why I got into riding bulls? <laughs> you
0: were conned into it, surely.
1: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> because chicks dig bull riders. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Even with broken ribs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I just tried it, and I. My father was absolutely opposed to it. Mm. Absolutely opposed to it. Well, I actually had to sneak. My mother s- had to sneak me out of the house to take me to this junior rodeo when I was fifteen. And I had the. Uh, the first one I didn't do saddle broncs, just did bareback broncs and bulls, and I had. Um, I had my bull in the afternoon performance and the evening performance. I had the bareback horse, mm-hmm. but didn't do too well at first. But I remember going back home afterwards. My dad found out, and he just says, he always says, oh, you're just going to get hurt. Did you get hurt? I says, nope.
0: <laughs> I bounced.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he, th- he thought, you know, that would be it. He thought, you know, I get there and I get scared, and it's now now yeah it just it just made me more committed and what and I went on in rodeo to in uh, in professional rodeo it's like the NFL of rodeo is the yeah. professional rodeo Cowboys Association and to go into the professional rodeo Cowboys Association you start out on a it's called a permit you have to win so much money on a permit within a given amount of time to yeah. earn your membership yeah, to earn your membership as a card holder into the PRCA. And I did the – I got my permit filled. And a lot of the guys – you know, I went to a lot of amateur rodeos before that. Hmm. And for some reason, there were just some guys that just – you know, they thought they were really big shots. And I just – I always thought, you know, I'm not going to hang around these amateur rodeos all my life. And a lot of them, that's, that's all they did because, you know, they could stay close to home, didn't have to travel. Yeah. But you couldn't win as much money there. I always had my eyes set on the PRCA, and they just always, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I did. <laughs> I did.
0: Just, just just talking of rodeos. Um, when I was in Berlin, in well, we we got posted to Berlin uh, from nineteen um, seventy eight to nineteen eighty, and I joined the. Um, the Berlin chapter of the European Rodeo Association. Oh, okay. Um, uh, over, uh, over in the, the American sector, I and mean, there was there was a few guys over there, and they had this uh, this old bucket machine. Um, we couldn't, we <laughs> couldn't get horses and, and and balls into to Berlin, um, so we used to have little competitions on this this bucket machine. Um, so so I used to ride bareback on that. Um, <laughs> I tried I tried ball once and it is was, it wasn't for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that reminds me of, um, have you ever heard of the movie Urban Cowboy? Yep. With um uh, oh John Travolta. Yeah. The the bar or the honky tonk as they called it, you know, that was that, yep. that that was in uh, was M- Gilly's, Mickey Gilly. And I I actually got to be a friend of Mickey's later on. In life. And, um, but, so after that movie came out, Urban Cowboy, that got to be just so popular. Oh, you got to, you got to go to, you got to go to Gillies down in Pasadena, Texas. (laughs) But then during uh, my rookie year in the PRCA, my first year as a full member, I was at the rodeo at the Houston Astrodome. And a bunch of us went down to, Gillies just to hang out, you know, and check it out and have fun. And there was a competition on this bucking machine when we were there. (laughs) And We were watching it and here's all these, you know, these local guys, you know, like they're big, really tough, hard, tough cowboys and that they're slapping their face, getting all psyched out. And I'm standing (laughs) over here watching them with some of the top bull riders in the entire world, (laughs) you know, guys in the top 15 of the the PRCA that go to the national finals rodeo, a couple of world's champions were standing there. And all, all I could think of is if these guys knew who was standing over here watching and laughing at them? I wonder if they'd feel so tough then.
0: <laughs> did, did did you put a ringer on? <laughs> we d- we just d-
1: we just stood and watched. We didn't get on, you know, so, so I think we missed. I think we missed the the deadline for the entries. So we we didn't no, get right. entered. We didn't get entered in that one. <laughs> So,
0: so let's talk a bit more about rodeoing then. Um, okay. So you started off in the amateurs, and, and how often did you manage to get some practice before you sort of go and do a competition, or, or is it just turn up <laughs> hope for the
1: best? Well, a little of both. What I do sometimes is I had a friend that had a rodeo school and I'd shell out some money to go to one of his schools before I break out, just so I can get on a bunch of bulls. Hmm. And since living in Iowa, there wasn't a place where anybody really had any practice pins. Now, if I would have lived in Texas a lot, a lot sooner, there <clears throat> you can get practice bulls anywhere you go to down there. But when I was in Texas, there was somebody that had some practice. I yeah, I I'd go to them. I lived yeah. in Texas for a little while, <laughs> but uh, and a lot of it though, was. Back in those days, just showing up today, it's oh, with uh, professional bull riders now it's it's a huge, huge deal, but mm. it's a lot more but uh, with me where I went wrong in my rodeo career, I grew up in a house that was very negative, uh, mm. mentally and physically abusive. And so I just, I had this attitude, you know, I had, you know, I had a father was this, what makes you think you can do that? You big dummy Mm. and things like that. And I just,
0: it was so encouraging.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I, one thing that I'll never forget after I filled my permit and I became a full member, a card holder in the PRCA, I, um, was going to my first big rodeo that only card holders can enter. No permits allowed at this one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is, you know, this is the day, this is the day that okay, I'm going to my first big rodeo. I'm a card holder now. And on my way to the airport, I stopped in and I saw my mother and told her what was going on. She goes, "I don't know why you're going there." Those people are professionals, and you are not. (laughs) Gee, thanks for the pep talk, Mom.
0: (laughs) Did that just drive you on more?
1: It just, it knocked the sails out of my wind. It knocked the wind out of my sails. Mm. Yeah, the sails out of my wind, yeah. (laughs) But. Yeah, it, it uh so I fought my head a lot. And what I learned later in life though is I'm looking back at it and one guy in particular that I remember his name is Ted Noose. He was he uh he Ted and I were rookies in the PRCA the, the same year, nineteen eighty. Ted was Rookie Bull Rider of the Year in 1980. He went on, I can't remember what year it was, to become a world's champion. And I look at Ted in the people he traveled with. This is after my career as a bull rider Mm -hmm. and the people he traveled with. He was traveling with... World's champions, the top bull riders in the world. That's who he traveled with. So he surrounded himself with people who really had that positive attitude. And me, I just kind of longer by myself. Didn't 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 even think to jump in with. Even when one of my good <laughs> friends was uh, Lyle Sankey, one of the best one of the best bull riders. He rode all three, which is very rare in professional rodeo, bareback, bronc, bull riding. He went to the national finals rodeo at all three events. And I traveled with him, you know, from time to time. But never once did I think to say, hey, Lyle, you mind if I jump in with you and just go hard with you? Is that okay? When I was around him, I'd ride. Yeah. And I, I rode good. And one thing I remember, I was at – uh Lyle and Shorty Shorty Garden and I, Stan is his name. We call him Shorty, who is another national finals bull rider. I went to a handful of rodeos with him. We went from Omaha, Nebraska. I made a decent ride there, and Omaha was two-head rodeo, so we rode twice in Omaha. Went from Omaha to Waterloo, Iowa, and at Waterloo, Iowa, I had this bull that was national finals rodeo, Barnes Rodeo Company, and he just kicked over his head, went out there and just turned, turned back really hard and kicked hard, and he just drilled me. <laughs> Ouch! And there was a, there was a guy that he was, he was one of the top bull riders in the world at the time. Went to the national finals almost every year. And I was walking back to the sheets, and I looked up at him and I says. And he looks at me. And he says, "I said, Randy, what on earth happened?" He says, "You just ain't ready for them bulls that turned back right there." <laughs> like, gee, thanks. <laughs> and so Lyle and Shorty and I, we we uh, we left to go back to Omaha to for our second go round there, and in in, uh, in Omaha, and we stopped to get something to eat. And I was just all down in the dumps. And Lyle looks over at me, and says, Don't pay any attention to what Randy told you. He says, uh, don't pay any attention to it. You ride good. And that same that then the next day at Omaha, Lyle's younger brother Ike Sankey, who was a friend of mine, too. And he was one of the top bareback riders and saddle bronc riders in the world. Right out of high school, his first year out of high school, he qualified for the national finals rodeo with the bareback riding. And this guy was tough. <laughs> but <laughs> I, um, I just, I was just really down. And I says, Ike, do you think, I'm? Um, do you think I can really ride bulls? And, He saw me one time on a bull called seven bar seven, national finals eliminator bull that just threw everybody off hard to ride, one of the toughest bulls to get by. And he looks at me and says, I saw you go seven seconds on seven bar seven. Right here at Omaha one year. And anybody who could do that is dad gumpshire a bull rider. I'm Like okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but after that we're in Dallas Yeah, after that, uh down in Dallas, Texas. And I'm getting on this little bull that um I'm putting my rope on him, getting ready to getting ready to get uh whoever pulled my rope looked at me and says, you got him? I goes, yeah. I says, well, this guy I told you about earlier, Randy. He says, Randy had him a couple of weeks ago and throwed him off. I was, oh, really? <laughs> Did he now? <laughs> Did he now? <laughs> and so I, that, that psyched me up. And I got my rope pulled, jumped up on my hand, and I nodded my head. And this bull went out there just back one way, the other way, and just and I spurred him the whole way. And I jumped off, and I walked past. I walked back to the shoots, and there stands Randy. he Goes, Randy, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you he, you? Oh, he just glared at me. <laughs> he just glared at me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're gonna love it.
1: Oh yeah, I did. <laughs>
0: So what was the what was the highest that you got to? Did you get to, to the worlds and, and and did you get up now, to Calgary? Get uh, to the, Stampede?
1: the the biggest rodeo I worked at is Cheyenne Frontier Days. It's one of the biggest rodeos in the world. Cheyenne is a Cheyenne Frontier Days, Cheyenne, Wyoming. And my last time at Cheyenne was nineteen eighty nine. If you've ever heard of the movie Eight Seconds? It's yeah. about a world's champion cowboy that dies in the arena, Elaine Frost Lane was a friend of mine at Cheyenne. You ride two times the top fifteen from the first two go rounds we call them going to the short go round or some championship go round on the final day of the rodeo. Lane and I had our our two long go bulls the same days that year at Cheyenne Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> I did not make the short round. Lane did. So I thought I was going to stop and watch, you know, stay and watch. And I said, you know what? If I stay, I'm just going to be ticked off because I'm not in it. <laughs> <laughs> so went home and it was that day in the short girl round that Lane made a good ride. It was his get offs that he just <sighs> fell face-, face down in the mud after he got off, this bull stepped on the shaps, kept him from getting up. Came back around, put a horn in the middle of his back, broke a rib, and the rib rib punctured an artery, mm. and and died on the arena on the arena. It's Cheyenne, mm. and I'll never forget the last thing um, on Thursday after our bull rides. We were all back behind the shoots, you know changing putting our gear up and just having fun talking last thing Lane ever said to me is he called me an old fart <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was uh, because he
0: was getting on by then
1: yeah I was 30 something and he was 25 at the time and that just hmm. you know that that's that's a good memory for me yeah but, uh, <laughs>
0: So what's, uh, what's your worst memory of being in the rodeos? Oh,
1: my worst memory of rodeo?
0: I don't what have a worst, worst memory now? of
1: rodeo. What's
0: your best memory? All of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All of it.
0: Did, did you manage to make a living out of it?
1: I scraped my... I said, it was just my attitude. You know, there was times that, you know, I'd be getting up when I'd go to ride and I'd I'd hear those, you know, especially if I had, you know, was getting low on funds and I really had to make some money in my head. Oh, I got this to pay and this to pay. And I just I'd fight my head so much. And that's like I say is my well, my worst memory is, okay, my biggest regret is not jumping in with somebody. Like, well, here's another example. Lane Frost. There was Lane, yeah. traveled with Tuff Hedeman, another world's champion. Clint Bronger, one of the top bull riders in the world. Jim Sharp, another world's champion. You know, these guys all tr- – and Cody Lambert, uh, another guy, top top bull rider, top saddle bronc rider. They all traveled together, and they fed off of each other. Yeah. And that's what it took, but it's –
0: yeah, it's really that, that positivity all the time.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: that, that, that's got to rub off somehow.
1: Yeah. Like I say, well, I found when I was with somebody like that, I'd do well. But yeah. then when I wasn't, and, and that was, that was my fault. I didn't know. I, you know, when I was raised in that environment, I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know how to cope. I didn't know how to, I didn't know that I could succeed, but. There were times, you know, I rode some of the bulls. I rode some of the bulls that bucked off some of the best in the business, and yet I couldn't put two and two together. It says, "You rode that bull that bucked off this guy and this guy." So, yeah, you are good. I just could not learn that in my head. Hmm. It just—I don't know. <laughs>
0: but- so, what was the uh, the catalyst that, that uh, encouraged you to retire?
1: Well, my. Last year, as a competitor, um, the year before the year Lane died, I went, to, uh, I go from Burwell, Kansas, McCook, Nebraska, Cheyenne, Wyoming. So that was 1989 when Lane died. 1990, McCook, or uh, Burwell, Burwell, Kansas. I tore my groin muscle in my left leg. Ooh. Yeah, I was making a really good ride. And right before the whistle blew, I just felt something pop. And I'm like, ah! Oh! and that took my concentration away and down I went. I mean, the whistle blew. I think I was still in the air when the whistle blew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so does that, does that count or not?
1: <laughs> if you have the tail of the rope in your hand and you haven't touched the bull or the, or the ground, yes. Then it's then it's a score, but I didn't. And so I walked back to the shoots, and I was just, you know, holding onto my leg, I could feel. I didn't know what was wrong at the time, but I could sure feel something. Ben McCook, Nebraska. The next night, I got on with that torn groin muscle, and this bull just turned inside out on me and he just went crazy and he just i was i went down harder than i ever had in my entire career and this bull is walking all over me and all i could think is the next hoof is coming in the middle of my back and they're going to carry me out of here in a hearse Mm. i had to be carried out of the arena i'm sitting back there you know buddies you know around me and i says man that's it that's the last one i'm done I, my nickname was Goose. Ah, Goose. <laughs> you'll be back. <laughs> Go home, heal up, you'll be back. Well after that I picked up the microphone and started to announce rodeos. And that's how I found my love of public speaking. Uh-huh. So,
0: so that's that's how uh, you moved on then. So so how did you you, you manage to, to pull that stunt?
1: How what did stunt you get step? that job? Announcing uh, rodeos, I just yeah I just started calling uh, stock contractors so you know i says i want to announce rodeos i want to announce you know and i just start kept calling i says well you got a good voice why don't you come out here and i'll try you out on this one and i just started to build and build and build Uh, and did that for several years until it was just like uh, the traveling i just go 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 i was just getting worn out and so then i started after and i I was getting pretty popular i was having people off me some Pretty big money for the rodeos they were producing. And that's when I i was already – I already had my private pilot license at that time. I got that mm-hmm. in 1980 because I thought, oh, it would be a good way to travel to rodeos. But after I got my license, I didn't use it very much. Then after I stopped announcing, I figured, you know what, I'll just get the rest of my ratings and, and start flying. Mm-hmm. So I did that.
0: So, so let's, let's just take you back to, to- – the, this announcing job, uh, rodeos, because I guess you've got you've done it for, for quite a long time, you've got the inside knowledge, um, right? So, you, so you, you were, were they using all the same, same sort of balls every time? Did, did they have like a, a a sheet that when you're, when you're announcing, you know, is going on what ball, you know, what, what type of ball is going to. Um, come out and shoot at
1: um, yeah it's, so you're it's better
0: uh, to, to give give the audience uh, that that inside um yeah knowledge.
1: it's it, it's you're not as an announcer you work for whoever's going to contract you you're an you know you're freelance i like get independent contractor yeah. and whoever's uh, the stock. A lot of times, it's the, it's the stock contractor, the person who provides the stock. Then sometimes it's the local committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know La, I know Oklahoma. After I announced their first rodeo, they always they always requested me as their announcer after that. And uh, so it's whoever was providing the stock. You know, I I get to know their stock if I went to enough of their rodeos, or if it was you know stock that was yeah. really well known. And so, you know, I just did my research, find out.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so is it just the, like the, the balls the, and and the Bronx that you did or did you do the, um, cause there's a lot more to radios than, than, than just the ball riding and the, 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 the bucking Bronx. So there's the, the, the chasing the.
1: <laughs> calf rope <roping, laughs> steer the, wrestling, team roping. Yeah, a, I, didn't, I never did it. I never did any of that now.
0: Now. But did yeah, you announce yeah. on it? Did, did oh yeah, you rodeos. Yeah. yeah, you
1: announce all the events. Yeah, and I judged. Oh. Uh, I did some when I was when I when I was still riding bulls. During the times that I was injured, I'd get some jobs from the PRC announcing or not announcing, but I mean judging rodeos. So yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I knew the rule book inside and out. So I, yeah, it, it's you hang around rodeos, even if you're never, you've never been a competitor. mm
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, there's some of these announcers that are out there. They're very, very good. You know, they've never competed, but they've just been around it. Yeah, you know, they get to know yeah. it inside and out in the in the PRCA. Anybody who wants to announce rodeos in the PRCA has to go to a pro rodeo judging seminar. Mm. So that's part that's part of their rules. But and but after after rodeo, I got to do my next dream. Be a pilot. I'm now a now I'm I'm now retired airline pilot.
0: All right. So and, uh, so you had, So you had your your private pilot's license.
1: Yeah, and then in, so, uh, in ni- 1999, I went on. I got my instrument rating, my commercial rating, my certified flight instructor certificate, and uh, started working as a flight instructor build hours, got my multi-engine rating, and then when I had enough time, I got my ATP, which is Airline Transport Pilot Certificate, and that's what you have to have to fly for an airline is an ATP. You have to have a minimum of 1,500 hours in the United States with through the FAA. At that point, I started flying charter uh, on Citation Jets. It was flying charter all over the United States, and I was grounded for a little while due to some med- uh, medications that I went on in 2007. I was grounded for a few years, and
0: uh, so what did you do in that time? Then, when you were grounded, were you able to to, to carry on doing stuff to um, to keep? Your your sort of skill level up. I guess there's a a certain amount of skill to being a a a professional airline pilot.
1: Well, at first, I just whoa, whoa, is me, (laughs) and I actually it was I was on antidepressants. That's at the time the FAA did not allow antidepressants of any kind whatsoever. Mm. And my wife says out of boredom that, uh, what I'm about to tell you, she said, I did it out of boredom. I put on a uniform, you know, with the epaulettes and, and I put a paper bag over my head with, you know, eyes cut out and (laughs) made a YouTube video. Says I am the Prozac pilot. (laughs) And in 2011, I started a blog, Prozac pilot, which now I'm, I'm starting to pick it back up. I haven't been using it much at all, but now I've just, I've, brought it back up and i've got it going over to a a new uh url it's uh Uh-huh. and i'll get to this one down here to stop suicide.life in a little bit
0: <laughs> yeah but well but but well, uh, I, I have a live show on a thursday where we talk about um mental health everyday conversations regarding mental health um Okay. So we 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 look at it, these subjects fairly in depth. So Okay. will I'll talk to you after.
1: Okay. So let's,
0: okay let's,
1: cool. let's roll on. Let's roll okay. on Okay. Well let's do well I'll I'll do two times with you. I don't yeah, I'm having fun with you. So where was I then? Uh yeah, so I did that and in in um
0: Tuesday podcast. Yeah, two thousand
1: eleven when the FAA announced their uh that they're allowing four different antidepressants, all of a sudden my phone is ringing, CNN, Inside Edition, Uh, all these other, you know, news outlets Mm -hmm. contacting me. And so I've been on CNN a couple of times, Inside Edition once, you know, talking about pilots and mental health. And during the German Wings incident, when uh, that kid flew a Airbus into the side of a mountain, I got all kinds of calls on that too. And but um, but I was able to you know to get back to the point where yeah okay I'm ready to fly again and I got to and then I was privileged to live out my my second childhood dream of being an airline pilot. You know, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you you taxi out onto that runway and the last plane I flew was the Embraer 175. Really nice, really nice airplane. Auto throttles. Boom. You gotta love auto throttles. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, you taxi out, get cleared for takeoff, start to push the throttles about halfway up, then they just go up all by themselves your hands and <laughs> and, fly, and uh, by buttons <laughs> oh there's a lot more to it than that but you know those jet engines just going down the runway and then your FO sitting over there if, if it's my leg flying and not his you know FO sitting over there con- yeah. 80 knots checked <laughs> V1 Rotate. Oh, here we go. (laughs) And it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. So,
0: so out of all all the aircraft that you've flown, um, what was your favorite?
1: All of them. (laughs) Now, I'd have to say the Embraer. It was a really, really nice airplane. uh, It's. The uh, technology was was really nice. It uh, the only thing that bad that I'd had to say about it is the weather radar on it wasn't It, <laughs> well, it I, like I'm coming in out of I can't remember where I was coming in out of, but I was going into uh, Washington Dulles Airport. And says, you know, called out to me and he says, uh, you've got moderate you've got moderate precept at this location. And I says, Really? I'm not showing it. <laughs> and he says he says, Well, would you like some vectors around it? I says, yes, please. <laughs> and just as he did that, we're just <laughs> I mean, we're getting <laughs> rock and roll there. I'm like... <laughs>
0: Back on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: we were, we, were, we were getting pretty hammered. Oh. So... Oh,
0: excellent. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, to speak of turbulence, the, I, had a, I had a first officer, a young first officer, leaving Oklahoma City, going to Houston, Texas. And... We're taxiing out, and we could hear some reports of turbulence. And this kid, he's probably young 20-something-year-old kid. He looks over at me and says, just so you know, your F.O. loves turbulence. <laughs> 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 I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> oh, outrageous. Yeah,
0: so, so bring us up to date then. Let's see what, what you're up to nowadays.
1: Okay, so dream number one: be a cowboy. I did that. I got to compete with some of the legends in the sport of rodeo, and that that was such an honor to be able to, you know, I, I can, you know, Lane Frost, Donnie Gay, eight-time world's champion bull rider, Ted Noose, world's champion bull rider, Charlie Sampson, first African American to ever win a world's championship in professional rodeo. Yeah, you know, and the list goes on and on and on of legends in this sport that I got to compete with and travel with. And it just – I cannot think of a better time to be a part of rodeo than than I did mm. because of these legends that I got to know. And they're like family. They really are. I'll only back up to rodeo on, on you real quick before I get up to where I am today just to give you an idea. Two things I'll share with you about – People that rodeo. Let's say if there's two guys. There, it's coming down. Let's 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 take Cheyenne Wyoming for example. You know, you got you got two riders left. If one of these makes a qualified ride, if they both make qualified rides, one of them is going to win it, and Cheyenne pays a bundle. And so let's say one of these guys he goes out and he makes a really good ride, and the next guy out if he has a higher score he's gonna win he's gonna win the average, gonna win the rodeo. You know, he'll go back there and he'll help his buddy. That's just the way people are mm. in rodeo. They just they're just that kind of camaraderie. But what I really learned about how people are in rodeo is in two thousand fifteen I had my oldest daughter die I um, lost her to cancer. On January ninth, 2015. But um, there was a gentleman, Bobby Brown, that he'd, he'd been in, he's a saddle bronc rider, one of the top saddle bronc riders in the world. Older than I was, so he'd been around pro rodeo a lot longer before when I came in. And this guy was tough. I mean, he—he's the epitome of the word cowboy. Mm. Tough, tough, tough. And you didn't mess with Bobby Brown. Uh-uh. I was—I was afraid of this man. I mean, I was—he I, scared me. Tough, tough, tough. You'd hear about fights, or see about fights with Bobby, and he was always on the winning end. <laughs> And he, uh, yeah, he scared me. But when my daughter was getting sicker, I started a GoFundMe page to try and raise money to get her into Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And I put a link on that onto my Facebook page. I didn't have that up on Facebook, but about two minutes, Bobby calls me. And he just, what's going on, man? And I told him what was going on, and we talked about it. And it, uh, I mean, within seconds after us hanging up, Bobby made the first donation. Wow. And that's what rodeo people are like. I bawled my eyes out like a baby. (laughs) (laughs) And then you, you're going to talk about mental health later, but with this, the same support when I lost my granddaughter last year to suicide, the same kind of support from, you know, people in the rodeo community, people I hadn't mm-hmm. seen for decades that reached out to me. And that's what they're all about. And OK, sorry. I dig- I digress back to the past, coming back to the yeah. future, as you were saying. So cowboy pilot. Two dreams, actor. I'm a voice actor now. I have an agent also who's trying to work me over into into films. So uh-huh. I'm so it's been living out my dreams.
0: In, in booths. <laughs> recording. Yeah,
1: booths. I, in, in my in my in my workspace here. <laughs> so yes, I have been. So the, the website down there, stop suicide. Life, as you said, we're going to talk about mental health in another one of your programs, and yeah, and I started that. Website. There's two websites: StopTeenSuicide.life and StopSuicide.life. Just has it's kind of a, a tribute to my granddaughter, as well as uh, one page is you know places people can go to get help. Yeah. Along with in the United States, there's now a, a dedicated line nine eight eight for people yeah. in crisis. But so, but now that's what I'm doing. I, and my podcast that I've started was after I lost my granddaughter, The Miracles of Tragedy. Mm. And like I say, on your mental health show, we can get in more into the miracles of tragedy and tell you a lot about it if you want Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, brought on by the memory of my granddaughter. Mm. So, well. Yeah.
0: Colin, I just like to thank you for sharing that with us. And what a terrific life!
1: <laughs> Yee haw! <laughs> uh, oh, oh. <laughs> My Tim <Brilliant>. Allen impersonation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <coughs> terrific. So, Colin, just yes. like, Thank, thank you for being um, such a great guest. <sighs>
1: Oh, I have so much enjoyed it. I really do. Really do. It's really did, I guess. It's a uh, pleasure to talk to. The Tim Hill Podcasts Ordinary People's Extraordinary Stories.
0: Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcasts. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows, and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.